0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Yeah.
1: I don't. I don't You bitting on me? It's time to get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about. Take your best shot. I'ma take the last shot. I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bitting on me? It's time to get a check, boy. You want the sideline, You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about.
0: All righty guys, I mean, good morning, like good evening, day, good day, afternoon, whatever time it is we listen to this podcast. We have another episode of the Auto Bid, the second Black History Month edition of this podcast. So Ace, man, how you doing today, man, on this wonderful Black History Month day in February? Doing great, man, you know what I'm saying? Another oh, day to celebrate, you know what I'm saying, our culture, our ancestors, our history, man, those that have come before us, you know what I'm saying? So doing great, man. Yes sir, yes sir. Man, so before we get into it, man, we're going to have a a jam-packed episode for you guys. We're going to have Brian, assistant men's basketball coach Chris Cole, DMV native, hop on the podcast with, with us a little bit later. So we're going to get you guys that interview uh, a little bit later. You know, but for now, man, we definitely want to, you know, encourage you guys to always, you know, like, subscribe, share this podcast, man. Um it really goes a long way um in getting this podcast into the right hands of the people who really want to hear this information, man. Um, So, you know, help some brothers out. You know, it is Black History Month. Some young black brothers or you know, some young black entrepreneurs trying to make it. You know, get this podcast out to the people who um, need to hear it, man. And as always, got a shout out my guy, pull up Tay on the intro. Make sure you guys, you know, go stream his latest project. Life ain't fair. You know, he just dropped a new single on YouTube as well. So make sure y'all go check that out, man. My guy is doing major, major things um, in the music space, man. So. We have a wonderful, wonderful podcast lined up for you guys today, man. Um, so I'm definitely really excited to give you guys some some of the games of the week. You know, recaps and big time action, man. So, um, Ace, hey, man, why don't you start us off? Yeah, man. For me, I mean, the I'll start us off with you know the biggest surprise for me this weekend, and you know that was that Nevada um swept Boise State. Uh, in the Mountain West, Nevada, uh, we knew it is a dangerous team. Steve Alfred is there. Um, he's really he's really turned that program around. I mean, they're honestly a year ahead of schedule. Um, obviously their team next year they're gonna have a couple top 50 recruits that are coming in there next year, and uh, also they're gonna have you know the, the nucleus of their team returning next season but this year I mean Nevada uh they were able to sweep Boise State who we know is one of the best best teams in the Mountain West um Grant Sherfield was absolutely terrific um in those matches he's a transfer from Wichita State he averaged eight points per game last year for Greg Marshall um obviously uh when he got fired and all those things came out he had, like in the transfer to Nevada where he is now and he had an absolutely stellar weekend um he's one of the most slept on guards in the country I mean in game one, he goes for 20 points, has 14 assists, including the game winning. He had a little back pivot, fadeaway jump shot uh, to win the first game uh, over Boise. And then in game two, he turns around, 29 points, eight assists, six rebounds. I mean, he's having an absolutely marvelous year for Nevada. He averaging 19 points, six assists, 3.9 rebounds per game. I mean, this dude is playing like, like an all-conference player. Like I said, he's he's only a sophomore. Um, The nucleus is coming back. Next year, like I said, him, um, Desmond Cambridge, is a junior. He's averaging 15 a game. Um, I mean, they're going to get uh, Warren Washington, 7-foot sophomore. He's averaging about 10 10 and 6 per game. He'll be back. I mean – Nevada's going to be a player in the Mountain West next year. But this year, I mean, for him to go and sweep, boy, he stayed at home. Um, was, was huge. It was, was huge to see. Um, Steve Offer's doing an absolutely great job with that program over there in year two uh, at Nevada. Jeez, man. Yeah, I mean, like I said, man, I, I know we, we talked about that game um, on our episode last week, man. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, Steve Alford's a guy that, you know, a lot of people were surprised when he was let go at UCLA, man. So, um, definitely no surprise there that, you know, he's getting a done, man. It's interesting, man, these Wichita State transfers. You know, we got guy over there at Nevada killing it. Obviously, you know, Oklahoma's best player, Austin Reeves, is another uh, Wichita State transfer, man. So, I don't know, man. It was a lot of uh, talent. Greg Marshall was uh, was hiding down there in uh, Wichita, Kansas. For sure. For sure. I mean, even um, – I mean, uh, did one of them transfer UMass? It didn't kill now, too? Or – Maybe, Maybe so, man. I think not, one man went to UMass, and, he, and I think he's, he's having a good year as well. But I mean, yeah, man. I mean, obviously, Tyson Etienne is over there having a great year for them. So, yeah, man. man. The situation now, is crazy. Now, I definitely want to talk about this, man, because the biggest news of the week for me um, was Drake. You know, yeah. and Drake is is no longer undefeated, man. I know you. you um, I know we're gonna talk extensively about you know, this conference, but you know, talk to me about that, man. Yeah, man, Drake lost uh, at Valpo. I was able to watch uh, the first game of that series, man. I mean, Drake's a team, that they, 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 they've been playing close games all year. I talked to you about this, obviously. We were texting back and forth uh, the other day about this. But, I mean, they have found ways to win close games the, ho- the whole year. I mean, Illinois State, Missouri State, Valpo. I mean, in consecutive weekends, they found ways to win close games um, on the road um, when teams have, have been testing them. But, I mean, the, the their, their luck ran out this weekend. Um, in game two, they fell at Valpo. Um, Drake is no longer undefeated, man. So, I mean, that, that was obviously, you know, you, you, you knew they weren't going to go undefeated or you, you didn't think they were going to go undefeated um, at least. But, you know, they, they, they finally lost. Valpo um, got them good, man, they, they beat them 74-57. to 57. So, it wasn't like this was like a, a sneak, like, no. Valpo beat them by 17 points. Obviously, Valpo was at home. Um I mean, quite frankly, the, the, I think their the luck just ran out. They were due for a loss, but they were able to bounce back the next game and get a win um, over Northern Iowa. They beat them by 21 points. So Drake is now 19 and one, um, not no longer undefeated. Man, they they were able to they, they fell finally uh, at Valpo um, over the weekend, man. So that was definitely I was going to get to that next, but that, that that definitely was one of my one of the biggest surprises uh, of, of the weekend as well. Now, for sure, man. I know we're going to talk about the Missouri Valley, man, but we also have a new team. Uh, I mean, since we're already talking about them, we'll talk about them. But um, a new team, man, the top 25, man. L'Oreal Chicago came in this week's ranking at 23rd. Obviously, they're playing some great basketball, man. Um, you know, they're on a hell of a win streak, man. So, I mean, talk to us about the Ramblers. For sure, man. I mean, Loyola Chicago is a team, um, like you said, man, they, they cracked the top 25. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about them a little later. Um, but they were able to obviously extend their winning streak to 10 games. They swept Evansville. You know, they, they were able to defeat them by 13 points in game one, beating them by 11 in game two. But Loyola Chicago is a, is a really good team, man. And we're going to talk a little bit about them. On later in the show, because they have a huge matchup this weekend, so I'm gonna save a little bit, of, a little bit of that, for, a little bit of that for later. Um, but Porter Mojo squad is definitely playing some great basketball right now, or, or out of the Missouri Valley. Not for sure, man. For sure, man. I mean, uh, for me, you know, I think uh, the, the the biggest, the biggest uh, surprise of this weekend, man, um, came out of the A10. You know, and um, I tried to stress this on last week's pod, man, but you know. I might have jinxed it. I I honestly might have jinxed it, man, because uh, LaSalle was able to get a win over St. Louis last week in a game that is just absolutely brutal uh, for the A-10 conference, man. As my guy John Rossi has said, the A-10 is absolutely cannibalizing itself uh, because the top of the league continues to fall onto teams that are, are at the bottom of the league or, you know, LaSalle is actually climbing up toward the middle of the pack now uh, with a couple of words they've been able to, to string together. Um, Ashley Howard's done a great job in turning that, that, that team around um, in year, year two, I believe, or maybe year three. I think, it's, I think it was year two or three for Ashley Howard. I think this is year two for him. Were. I mean, they, they've done a great job, man, but um, yeah, man, I mean, St. Louis, I mean, they fell to on 2 man, but luckily they were able to rebound, you know, with the win over St. Bonnie's uh, on Saturday to kind of get their, their first win in a 10 play, man, I mean... I don't know, man. It's tough though, man, because I think the A-10 is still in a very, very tough spot. You know, VCU was also able to get a win over Dayton, um, which moved them into second place, you know, in the A-10. They're seven and two. St. Bonnie's sitting at eight and two, you know, and Davidson at UMass right behind, you know, at six and two. You know, I mean UMass, a team we talked about like a few weeks back. I mean, they're still kicking, man. You know, they're they're, they're in fourth place right now, six and two in the A-10, man. But um, I don't know, man. It's just so tough to figure out, you know, this this St. Louis team. I mean, you you drop your first two games, but then you go in and you go out and you beat a team like St. Bonnie's, who is, you know, currently in first place. Um, it's hard to, It's, it's going to be tough for the A-10, man. If If St. Louis can't get going, you know, here down the stretch, I mean, this league is really in danger of being a one-bit league. Not for sure, man. I mean, the A ten the A ten is, is, is in a weird spot right now. Um, obviously, I mean, St. Louis is now at two and two. Started off zero and two. Like you said, they beat St. Bonnies and then they turned around and beat a URI team that that you know that, that that is talented. Last night they were they were able to beat them. I mean, so now they're sitting at two and two. But I mean, I have to give LaSalle some credit, man. I mean, they almost knocked off St. Bonaventure. Uh, right after, so they beat St. Louis, They almost knocked off. Uh, Say, Bob mentioned like, like a, a, a night or two later. I mean, they they are a feisty A10 team. Ashley Howard has that team competed, man. I mean, they they are the most talented team in the A10. But those dudes compete and they play hard um, every night, man. I mean, the A10 A10 is definitely a, a, an interesting league, man. I mean, I think obviously Richmond falling from the kind of grace that has hurt them a lot, um, and then a lot of their top teams. I mean, having lost some games. You know that they haven't lost. I mean, I think team you mentioned BCU is a team that's interesting, man. I mean, they they low they have some sneaky good wins. I mean, they beat Utah State earlier in the year by 16. Well, obviously they're one of the best teams in the Mountain West right now. Um, and they also have one over Memphis by 11. Um, or in non as Well, obviously Memphis is a team that hasn't you know kind of had the success that they kind of expected uh, to have. But I mean, they do have some sneaky good wins on the year. Um, and obviously they're they're doing well right now in, in the in the A10. So I mean, if they can kind of keep keep going without taking too many hits um, late in, in the season. I mean, they can sneak their way into a potential at-large opportunity. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, they're, they're 14-4, 7-2 and in the 8-10. Um, they're going to have some chances to, to get to get some better wins down the stretch. So, I mean, um, obviously, we know St. Bonaventure, uh, hopefully, you know, it's going to be – I mean, their only, quote-unquote, bad loss really is, is to, I mean, I guess St. Louis maybe. I mean, they don't really have any bad loss on their on their resume. So, um but, yeah, man, I think the A-10 is definitely, is definitely, is definitely an interesting league. It's going to be interesting to see what happens down the stretch um, with these teams. But if they cannot afford any more of their top teams to lose to any more of these bottom feeder-type um, teams, man, they're going to have to hope that St. Louis can kind of get, you know, go on a little run here to, to end the season. I mean, they're going to see BCU. They're going to see Richmond. Um, so they're going to have some opportunities down the stretch to, to get some more key wins um, on their resume. No, for sure, man. I think I think I, I agree with you on that VCU to buy the chance to see them play versus George Mason, man. And um, they play extremely hard. You know, they're an extremely well-coached team. They defend. So, I mean, I think VCU is a team that, you know, and, and at the end of the day they have a guy in Bones Island that you can put the ball in his hands and tell him to go and, and create straight and go get a basket and go create for others as well. Um, and that bodes well for teams down the stretch when you have that guy that you can go to um, that you know can put the ball in the basket, man. So, you know, the A-10 will definitely be a conference to watch. Uh, down the stretch, man. But I'm going to transition to a little, uh, a little Mac action for the week. Um, You know, uh, Monmouth was able to get a sweep over Manhattan on the road at Manhattan. Um, Link Martin was able to carry them in that series. He averaged basically 16 and 10 um, in that series over two games. Um, yeah, eighteen and nine. in The first game, then uh, followed up with a fourteen and ten performance uh, in game two. Um, and moments are traveling up, man. I mean, they 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 currently have the most wins in the MAC. You know, at, at ten and four. Um, even though they're in third place, Iowa's in second place at just three and one, mm-hmm. having you know having played a game in, in forever. You know, so um, I mean, they're definitely looking like one of the better teams. Obviously, you know, Sienna um, just got got put on pause. You know, so. Um, it seems like Mama, I mean, this, this is a chance that Mama can really, you know, separate themselves, gain some steam. You know, obviously with you know Senna not playing, they're probably still gonna remain at, at the top of the league. You know, but um this this is a chance for mom to kind of create some separation between them, you know, and the rest of the league here, you know. Um Q and Fairfield also played to a split. Um, you know, key was able to win that first game. They're now three and five um in eighth place in the Mac. Um but they've got a gem, man. They they've got a gem. Um, and freshman Louis Courtright, you know, had twenty ten and four rebounds in the first game, man. I mean, he's looking like he's gonna be, he's gonna be special, man. Not for sure. I mean, I, I watched both of those games, and that that kid is is he's special, man. I mean, like you said, twenty points, ten assists that first game. Um, and they have another freshman, Timu Chenery. I mean, the Bobcats have two freshmen that are quite frankly going to be, if if obviously we know that you know the transfer rules are, are crazy right now. But I mean, if those two guys um choose to stay they're gonna have a hell of a future for the next four years i mean Timu was averaging 10 and 4 i mean but he had a career high in that second game versus fairfield um with 21 points i think he made like six threes that game i mean he was absolutely ball i mean those two those two guys there um are gonna have great futures there at Quentin man i mean court a guy that they can create his own offense he's extremely crafty. he can finish can shoot the ball He struggles from the free throw line i don't, I don't know what it is i think it's I don't know confidence, but he 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 struggled from the free throw line um, to start the season. But I mean, um, he 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 is. I mean, he, he saw he had some some top sc top ten dunks. I mean, finals Finals went on, on the top ten man can it can really pass the ball? I mean, game two he couldn't find his offense. He really struggled to shoot the ball, uh, but he was able to find his teammates. He was distributing the ball extremely well. Um, but then they were able to. Quinnipiac at least was able to get some production um, out of Timo um in, in that second game. Man, I mean. That kid is going to be special as well. He, he, he's a long wing, on like a 3-4 um, type of player, man, but can can, can can put the ball on the floor, can shoot it, man. I mean, in that second game, Taimush, 6 for 7 from 3, uh, 21 points, 5 rebounds. I mean, those two guys are going to be extremely, extremely special um, for Quinnipiac uh, in, in the next few years, man. But I want to back up to that Mammoth um to, to the Mammoth thing, man. I mean, the Mac, I don't know if you heard they announced that um if the, if the teams in the conference do, do not play the full play the conference games, which they won't. I mean, if teams, Iona's played four games. I mean, nobody's going to – not nobody, but likelihood that not – everybody's not going to play the full uh, conference. Play. So they basically said that the, the seeding is going to go based on wins. So right now, Monmouth has ten wins. And, I mean, they're they're looking like – if obviously, they on pause. They're at eight wins right now. So Monmouth is going to have an opportunity. You know, they're going to play Iona. Uh, on Friday on East PNU. I mean, we probably talk about that a little bit later. Um, and then you're going to have Fairfield um, and you got serious versus Ryder. But they're going to have opportunity. I mean, obviously, Fairfield and Ryder are two teams toward, toward the bottom of the standings. Those are the quite the two worst teams in the league right now, Um, record-wise. I mean, if you can get four more wins um, and then maybe one off of Iona... You know they're going to get to fourteen wins. I think if they get to fourteen wins, there's no way that anybody in in, in the MAC is going to be able to catch them just just off of simple math. So they could potentially get you know the, a one seed um in the MAC tournament. I mean, Sienna they didn't even play a until January. They're already at eight wins. So I mean, um it's going to be interesting interesting to see what happens. I mean, even Maryland's at seven and seven. You know they 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 have seven wins right now in the MAC. So you know they're the teams that have played. Played the most games are going to be in a position to to, to get those, those buys. I mean, even a team like Iona, they're, they're three and one. They only have one loss, but they only have three wins, so they could potentially end up not even qualifying for a top five bid, just because they don't have enough wins. You know, as like Maris could potentially be seven and ten, and and get a and get a three seed. You know, and a team like Iona might be six and one, six and two. You know, and, and get like a five or six seed just simply because of the fact that they don't have enough, enough wins. So that can be something to keep an eye on uh, in the Mac going forward. Yeah, man. I, and that's, I mean, shoot saying that Matt, I, I don't think it's a way that, I mean, granted, as long as my avoids another shutdown, um, you know, God, willing, I don't think there's any way that they don't get the number one seed. I'm um, seeing that they've, they've, they had the most wins and their schedule certainly is favorable down the stretch. Um, I think that's going to be interesting to see how that goes for a team like, you know, a, a Quinnipiac, though. You know, obviously, they're sitting at 3-5 and five right now. Um, I mean, they're really going to be in need of a sweep, man. They're going to get Canisius, Um, this weekend. That we're going to touch on it a little bit later, man. But they're going to get Canisius this weekend at home. I mean, they're going to be in need of a sweep. I mean, I'm looking at the standards right now. I mean, Fairfield, four wins. Ryder, four wins. Manhattan, four wins. Niagara, six wins. Mary, seven wins. St. Peter, six wins. Obviously, Sienna eight wins. And Monmouth, ten wins. I mean, it's going to be – I mean, at this point, you know, them, Iona I and have three wins. So, I mean, those are those going to be the bottom three seeds? You know what I mean? As of right now, obviously, but they're going to really have to try to string some games together, string some wins uh, together in conference play, man. Um, but, you know, I think it, 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 it'll be a fun uh, fun finish, you know, to, to say the least, man. Um, I also want to talk about, you know, um, the the American East, man, because, you uh, you know, UMBC was able to get a sweep this weekend over Stony Brook on the road. Um, this is their third straight road victory after winning the second game against NJIT on the road. Now, she was Stony Brook on the road. Um, they're currently nine and three. You know, they're first place in the America East. Um, and Ryan Owen definitely has this team. You know, trending upward, man. So, um. Again, we also had an opportunity to to, to see these guys um, this year against against Coppin State, man. A Very complete team, you know. They got Donner Rogers led them in in game two, you know. RJ Alderock led them in, in game one with twenty three points. Um, but an extremely balanced team, man. I mean, obviously they got Brandon Horvath, you know, LJ Owens. They have a lot of guys that can um, that can go out there and, and put the ball in the basket, man. So they're, they're definitely going to be an intriguing team to watch in the American East for sure. Yeah, definitely. Man, I was talking to my guy uh, to uh, RJ Outarock the other day. Man, he was. I was telling all the Washington plays and he was Houston man. Yeah, he said people got to put some respect on their name, man. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're hooping, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're first place right now in the America East. You know, and I mean, Ryan Odom has done an amazing job with, with his UMBC program. I mean, obviously, when me and you were in high school, they were one of the worst teams in Division One. I. I mean, they were, they were, they were one of the worst teams in the country. Um, when he when he took over that job there at UMBC, man, and he's absolutely. I mean, they. they made history they, they, they won the america east with that shot my guy jared Lyles hit over vermont and then they made history in the NCAA tournament becoming the first 16 seed to defeat a one seed i mean that program has just been on, on an upward tra- tra- trajectory um ever since he's, t- he's taken that job I and mean, so definitely got to give him some credit they're sitting at 13 and 4 right now in the america east i mean that is that is impressive for any time a team a team you know in, in a conference like that can compete in 13 and 4 um if they can get to a tournament i, mean, I think ryan ormson is going to be in position to Tends to you know get a bigger job, you know. I mean, obviously, when they won that game versus Virginia, uh, his name his name was circulating in a lot of conversations. Um, but I mean, we're, we're going to see we're going to see what happens, man. We're going to see you know if, if he if he does end up leaving there. But UMBC is definitely um, is definitely playing some great basketball, so we definitely want to shout out those guys uh, over there. Not for sure, man. And uh, well, I'm gonna give you guys a little sneak preview, man. We're gonna have an NEC coach come on our show next week. I'm not going to reveal who it is yet. You know, we had an NEC. Um, Obviously, like I mentioned, we got a guy Chris Cole that's going to be on here shortly. But next week, we're going to have another NEC head coach. I'm not going to reveal who that is yet. But you know, speaking to NEC man, it was a week of sweeps in the NEC. Um, everybody brought the brooms out this week. Apparently, I don't know, must have been something in the air. You know, Farron Dickinson was able to get a sweep over LIU. Merrimack was able to get a sweep over Saint Francis PA, and Wagner was able to get a sweep over Saint Francis Brooklyn. You know, so um, actually, in uh, it following that up, you know. LIU was able to also get a, a rebound after that sweep and get a one over St. Francis. But you know, right now, man, Bryant, Frederick Dickinson, and Merrimack are all tied to first place at the NEC at six and four. LIU just one game back at seven five, man. So I mean it's gonna be a sprint to the finish there uh in the in the NEC. Um, I believe they're only having you know four teams um in their in their conference tournament this year. So I mean, you got three teams at first place at six and four. You know, you got LIU one game back in seventy-five, man. I mean, it's absolutely jam-packed there at the top of that of that league. Yeah, for sure, man. I, mean, I was able to watch that Wagner and St. Francis Brooklyn series. I mean, Wagner has a kid named Alex Morales having an absolutely amazing year. Obviously, he he plays, you know, Juco basketball down here at PG Community College in the DMV area. But I mean he's he's a six-six guard. He's averaging 17 points, just under eight rebounds, and just under five assists. And he had a monster series. Um versus St. Francis. I mean, game one goes for 27 points, six rebounds, and five steals. Game two, 25 points, 12 rebounds, three assists. I mean, he absolutely is, is going to be a, a, an amazing, amazing player for them. Um, but we're, we're talking a little bit about the NEC in our interview with Coach, Coach Cole later on. But I mean, that's that, that uh, conference is going to be fun to watch down the stretch. I mean, like I said, uh, the... Top four teams make the tournament, but I mean, between teams one and team eight, there are two games, so a sweep could potentially take you from first place to eighth place, and so you get a sweep, and some teams lose, you could potentially go from eighth place to, you know, third, fourth, you know, depending on what other, other team do in that league, man, but I mean, Bryant is six and four, tied with Ferry, Dickinson, and Mary Mack in first place, and St. Francis Brooklyn is four and six, and they're in eighth place, so I mean, a sweep puts you completely out of the out of the mix almost if you're one of those top teams, man. So games are going to be extremely extremely important down the stretch, and um it's going to be interesting to see what happens um down down the stretch of that league, man. Like you said, we're going to have a little uh, NEC coach on on here next week, so definitely definitely uh, look forward to that interview uh, for sure, man. But I want to pivot to the SOCOM. This, 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 as you guys know, is my favorite one. One of my favorite mid-major conferences, man. I mean, I, 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 just love this conference, man. I mean, it is, it is so fun to watch. It's so exciting. Um, and they had a hell of a week. Um, over the past seven days, man. I mean, it started off. BI, VMI Was able to beat Wofford. Um, who, who was in the first place. Wofford then turns around and, and beats Furman. Then their next game out, Chattanooga, who was once one of the last umbeings in the country kind of fell off a little bit. They, they, they had a rough patch where they, you know, lost a bunch of games in the row. They were able to win, get two wins this week over ETSU and Wofford, who were two of the best teams in that league. Um, and then obviously Furman and UNCG uh, had a big time back-to-back. Furman won on their home court. UNCG then turned around and won on their home court. Um, and the Citadel was able to beat ETSU. So, I mean, that conference, well, it was absolutely amazing. Um, this week, there were there were a bunch of upsets, a bunch of teams. I mean, the, uh, a lot of the top teams played each other uh, over this past week, man. I mean, that Furman-UNCG series was extremely fun to watch. I, I watched that series. Um, Furman is a really good team, man. UNCG is as well, man. Um, obviously, we know Wofford is, is, is extremely good, man. But I mean, after the smoke is cleared, UNCG is now in first place at nine and three. Wofford's nine and four. ETSU is seven and four. Furman is 6-4, and, and, and Chattanooga is now 6-5. They've kind of fought their way that, back, um, you know, uh, to, to, to get in, in contention um, in, in that league, man. But, I mean, in SoCon, it's going to be a, a fun game, a fun league to watch down the stretch. I mean, Isaiah Miller from UNCG um, had, had a huge weekend, man. I mean, he, in, in that second in that second game um, over Furman, was huge. had 22 points. Um, but, I mean, I, I was extremely impressed um, with, with the guy from the guy on Furman like, that doesn't necessarily get um, a lot of credit. And, and if this big guy, um, excuse me, his name is Jalen Slauson. He's a 6'7 junior. Um, he averages about, about 9 and 5, but he's extremely, extremely versatile. I mean, he guy who get post-up, could knock down the three. Um, I mean, in, in, in that win over uh, UCG in game one. He had 14.6 rebounds, three assists, and five blocks. So, I mean, that shows you a little bit of the versatility that, that he has. Man, obviously, if you know, you know, Mike Botwell gets a lot of the credit for them as, as he should. You know, he's an extremely, extremely, you know, good player. Average, obviously 16, 5, and 3 um, for that team, man. But, I mean, even a guy like Alex Hunter um, – who was who a great shooter. I mean, in game one, UNCG series, he had 19.6 rebounds, five assists. I mean, they can beat you in so many different ways. There's so many different guys that can go out there and, and score for them. I mean, they're going to be a team that I still think that, that they're the favorites in the in the uh, SOCON. But, I mean, I think Wofford's going to have something to say about that down the stretch. UNCG obviously is going to have something to say about that. And even ETSU is going to have something to say about that. ETSU had, um, had a little bit of a rough week this week. I mean, they, they dropped, you know, back-to-back games versus Chattanooga and the Citadel. So um we're gonna have a chance to rebound this weekend. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that later on in the show, man. But I mean, I just love the SOCON. This is my favorite league to watch um out of all the mid-major leagues, man. And it was an exciting one uh the past past seven days uh in the SoCon. Yeah I was gonna say man I actually got had a chance to watch the second half of that and UNC Greensboro game man. and it was crazy because I mean UNC Greensboro had double figure lead for the majority of the second half. You know, and then all of a sudden, Lee's dwindling, dwindling, dwindling. And I believe it got to, to three at one point. It was a one-possession game. Furman had cut to him. I'm like, oh, man, well, you know, Furman's probably going to find a way to pull this one out and, you know, and and sweep UNCG. You know, but UNCG ended up making just enough plays at the end of that game to pull it out, man. And um, I think it just like – like you said, man, I mean, I think it just speaks to the strength of the league, man. It's crazy because, you know, we saw UNC Greensboro lose to Copper State at home in the beginning of this year, man. They're like, hey, man, this is the same USC Greensboro team, man. Like, I mean, now they're they're sitting in their first place um in the SOCOM, man. So that, that that game was definitely, you know, a fun one to watch, man. And it's definitely gonna be, you know, a lot of great teams. I think I mean, I don't I don't wanna get too ahead of myself, man, but you know, I wanna step out on the limb a little bit. You know, um, I think the whoever wins this conference, man, is a team that you could pretty much pencil in uh, for a uh, uh, upset in the NCAA tournament, man. Whatever type of seed they get, you know, 13-4, 12-5, I mean, I mean, uh, Walford, Furman, I mean, any of these teams, if they get the right matchup in the NCAA tournament, I could definitely see whoever wins this league, you know, pulling off an upset in the field of uh, 68. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I will almost bank on it. I mean, I can't wait I can't wait for for, for Furman to get that 12-5 seed in the tournament, and I will almost bet my house... Oh, whoever they play. I mean, I mean, um, Furman. Winter there was another team, like I can see. I, I think if they. I think final uh, their matchup, they're gonna. They're gonna be a team that can, that can advance in, in, in the tournament, man. But I definitely love the SoCon, man. I think like you, like you said, man. Lafford um, definitely the way that, the way they shoot the ball um, could definitely upset somebody in, in the tournament, man. But um, I think I think I, I mean, I, I you I've, I've been high on Furman all year. I, I'm not gonna abandon my guys, the Paladins over there. So they're my pick to win the league. And I think I think the way that the, that they can beat you. Um, they have so many different players. I think they're, they're so versatile. Um, I think they're a team that could, that could really, really advance um, in the NCAA tournament if, if you know, if they find a way to win that conference. Walford as well. UNCG obviously is well-coached. Wes Miller um, is, is extremely, you know, is a, is a great coach. Um, the ETSU obviously is a great program as well. So it's going to be a fun one that, 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 to watch uh, down the stretch. No for sure, man. Um I'll pivot a little bit too to the CAA, man. And um, you know, Towson, man. Towson continues to struggle, man. I mean, I don't know, man. We 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 might gotta go to some games because it seems like when we were at the games, you know, they, they got a sweep, they got two wins. If Coach Gary, listen to this man, Coach Gary, man, get us get us in there, man. I don't know if you guys gotta put us on a bus with you guys, you know, get us down there on the court, but I mean, uh Charleston was able to get a sleep over Towson this week, man. Um that's the tigers seventh straight loss at the starting 2 and one in conference play with a sweep over UNC Wilmington you know they've now dropped seven in a row they're now 2 and 8 in the ca um i mean they're they're, they're in some 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 great great danger right now they're pretty much out you know of the regular season race for sure um but i mean they're they're definitely you know in, in, in some trouble right now man and they're, they're absolutely reeling right now um those guys over there gonna have to figure it out, man. Because you know the CA definitely is, is no slouch, man. And you know it's gonna be a, a tough, a tough team. Uh, you know lacing them up. You know whoever they face, man. But um, I'm uh, I'm hoping that 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 those guys over there figure out figure it out. You know Coach Kerr is a great coach. So I, I think he will, man. But um, Drexler was also able to get a win over Hofstra, man. Um, those teams ended up splitting you know the weekend series, um, and JMU got a sweep over Elon. Um, they are now second in the CA at six and one. You know Hofstra is now third after splitting that series against Drexel man. They're eight and four man, but JMU man, it was six to one. They're a game by Northeastern at seven to one. You know where they beat earlier man, but you know they they've got a, a super talented, a super talented player man um over there man. I think that uh, I mean they're they're definitely looking looking like a team that could that could make some noise um down the stretch. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, obviously, Towson I think has been been a bit, you know, disappointing. I mean, they were one of the teams that, you know, with Zane Martin returning, we were thinking they were gonna be, you know, one of the better teams in the city, obviously with, with Jason Gibson who made the all rookie team last year. Zane Martin coming back to, to, to Towson, man. I mean, they had a lot returning with Charles Thompson and the uh Ulumo brothers. I mean, they they had a lot coming back. Um Nick Timberlake obviously as well, man. Um and they're, they're to be two and eight right now has gotta be discouraging um for the Tigers, man, but Like you said, man, Coach Carey, don't worry, me and Drew will be there this weekend because Towson's going to have an opportunity to to knock off the best team in the CAA, Northeastern. They're coming to see Corina this weekend to play Towson uh, Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. So Drew and I will be in the building for that. Hopefully we can bring some good luck to to those Tigers over there, man. I definitely want to see my guys, you know, uh, succeed, man. I mean, this this is a team that, that, like you said, we we thought was going to have, you know, CAA championship aspiration. I think the loss of Juwan gray has really hurt them. Obviously he was a senior captain. They lost him to a torn Achilles earlier in the year, man. Um, I think, you know, he's the guy not only, you know, production wise, um, who, who really hurt I me. Mean, he was averaging, you know, seven points, you know, just under – basically seven points, five rebounds for them. But I mean, I think the biggest thing he lost with, was the, the senior leadership, man, the versatility. He's a guy that could, that could handle the ball, that could shoot, that could post up. Um, but, I mean, talking talk, to scary, talking to the players, I mean, he was their emotional leader. You know, I think I think kind of losing him um, really, really hurt them, man. And I, I don't think Zane Martin's quite having the year that he expected to have. Not a bad year, right? I touch the imagination, but, I mean, when you average 21 points a game as a sophomore – you know, in the CA and this year average about sixteen a game. Um I I think Towson is gonna I mean, but hey, you know, in a it in the year, you know, like we're having now, man, anything can happen. If they can find a way to kind of get, get on get back on track this weekend with Northeastern, you know, though that that could be opportunity to potentially to turn your season around. So, you know, we'll see what happens what happens with with Towson, man. Yeah, for sure, man. We definitely will see, man. Um Last thing I want to talk about, man, is conference that we, you know, we often just forget to talk about, man. But it's crazy because we we played in this conference as well, you know, and that's that that's the MEAC, man. Um, FAMU was able to get a sweep over Central, man. Um, which was which is which is crazy, man. Obviously, we know Central, you know, was on that 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 long pause, man. But you know, as you know, man, I mean, FAMU is no slouch, and I, I I mean, especially when you have to go down there to FAMU, I mean, like. I don't think – I think FAMU was pretty much was undefeated last year at home, man. I mean, it, it seems like the trend is continuing. You know, they knock off – you know, NCCU was won three straight Miak tournaments and won the regular season last year. They come down there and drop two in a row to FAMU. So it seems like, you know, as much as COVID has shaken the world up, you know, some things remain the same. Uh, FAMU is still a menace at home in that in that arena down there. Um, also, you know, Cobb and Norfolk were able to play to a split. Uh, Norfolk was obviously able to get game one. Uh, Coppin was able to rebound in game two on HPNU um, to get a, a pivotal split, man, and, you know, for the Eagles, man, I mean, the Miyak North is going to be a very interesting you know, finish, man, because, you know, obviously the MIAC South is a little bit behind with a lot of teams being on pause and, you know, with Bethune opting out. Um, but the Miyak North, I mean, Coppin, Morgan, and Norfolk, I mean, Morgan right now is at the top of that league at 6-2. You know, Coppin's Pretty much, you know, a game back at 6-4, and four. Um, Morgan 5-4, man. And, I mean, excuse me, Norfolk is 5-4. I was like I said, Coburn was able to get three against Norfolk this year, but Morgan was able to get three against Coburn, man. And um, not to get ahead of ourselves, man, but Morgan is going to be facing Norfolk this weekend. was going to be a pivotal pivotal matchup um for, for seeding, you know, down the track, man. So I'm I'm saying a little bit of that for later, man, but had to talk about the Miac man, uh, uh that, that fan series and uh cop able to get that split on EHP you know for sure, and I mean, uh, arguably the biggest news out of Mead this week was that Howard um is opting out of the remainder of their season. I mean, they, they they're gonna call it quits. Um, that's gonna have some implications down stretch as a MIAC North as well because Cobbin was supposed to play Howard four times over the last six games. Obviously, that's now not gonna happen. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see what the scheduling, you know, what Cobbin does with, with with those potential you know lapses. Are they gonna schedule some more games? You know, are they gonna are they gonna just wait it out? Um, and obviously, you know, what's gonna happen with Norfolk and Morgan this weekend? You know, um, as far as seating and then. You know, I, I appreciate Howard still has to play off Norfolk and Morgan as well. You know, they they, they haven't played in over a month, but Copman I mean uh, Howard is calling it quits. They're not gonna uh, they're not gonna play any, any more games. They haven't played offly in almost two months, um since that since I think it was December eighteenth. They got a win over Hampton. Um they haven't played since then, so um Howard, obviously, you know, they came into the year with, with, with Maker, and, you know, uh, it was supposed to be a promising year for them, but obviously because of, you know, injuries and, you know, COVID, you know, they weren't obviously able to ever, ever really get on track. So um going to be interesting to see definitely what happens with, with the MIAC North um, down the stretch. Um, but, I mean, I, I want to pivot a little bit, um, but there are a few things that I definitely want to highlight in the mid-major landscape. I think there's, 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 there's some teams that we haven't talked a lot about. Um that, so I'm going to give a few of them some shine. Um, I'm gonna start with San Diego State. I mean, this is a team that, after the beginning of the year, was non-conference season was a top 25 team. Um, they kind of fell off a little bit. they, they lost to Colorado State. Um, got swept by Utah State. Um, they they, they kind of had, had some trip ups uh, early on. But I mean, this is a team that's quietly putting it together in the Mountain West. They've won six straight games. Um, before they had a modest, you know, 22 point win last night against San Jose State. Um, they had, they had defeated their last five conference opponents by 25 plus points. The first time that that's happened where Converse team has won five straight games by at least 25 points since 1999 to 2000 Stanford Cardinals team. I mean, San Jose State is quality playing his best uh, basketball of the year right now. Um, they're Like I said, they're an elite, elite defensive team. I mean, I watched that San, San Jose State series um i mean they held them to 40 54 and 55 points on back-to-back back-to-back games um right now they're currently 18th in the country in defensive efficiency they're giving up just just under i mean you're giving up right about 90 points um per 100 possessions so i mean they're they they're a very very stingy defensive team man they can beat you in a lot of ways um they're quietly playing some of their best basketball of the season um they're gonna they're gonna um obviously State a little a little later on um to close them out what season but i mean they're a team that I think, you know, obviously right now, um, they're seeded, um, the Bactology, uh, most experts have them at, at an eight seed. They're a team, you know, that I think in, in a second weekend, you know, they're obviously they're going to get an eight, nine game depending on the matchup. But, I mean, if, if they see, obviously, I don't got them being Gonzaga or uh, Baylor. But, you know, if they potentially see a, Ohio State or, or or Michigan in that second round, you know, because of the way they, that, that, that they defend, they're a team that could potentially, you know, pull, pull off that 8 1 upset in, in the round of 32 and, and make a sweet 16. So uh, I want to definitely, you know, shout out San Diego State. And that team that I want to, to kind of give, give, give some love to that we haven't talked about at all is Belmont. And I mean, they're a team that has traditionally, you know, been a, been a, been a, you know, a, a darling in March. Um, they are currently 19 and 1. They're riding a 17-game win streak in the in the OVC. I mean, this is the team that, that lost its best player in Adam with to transfer. I mean, he's at Xavier now. He's the first team all OVC guy last year, averaged almost 17 points a game. He leaves and goes to goes to Xavier, and they they I mean, they've won 17 games in a row. They're 19 and one um, in the OVC. I mean, they have five guys that are averaging double figures, and they all shoot at least 46 percent from the floor. Two of them are shooting over 60%. Um, two of them are shooting, I think, two of them are shooting like 46 One of them shoots 48 and one of them is like 57% from the floor. I mean, they're an elite offensive team. Obviously, they're led by the big guy, Nick Brzezinski. See, the 6'11", big man, averaging 15-5 and on 60% shooting from the floor. They also have a guard in, in Grayson Murray who's averaging 10 points, seven rebounds, and five assists, and he's shooting 63% from the floor and 35% from three. I mean, they, have, they, have, they are a sneaky, very good basketball team. Um, And we we not even talk, talk a lot about them at all. Um, But, I mean, those, those are two teams that, you know, are, 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 you know, quietly putting together great, great seasons Um, that, that we haven't really given any love to. So, I definitely want to talk about those two teams, San Diego State out of the Mountain West and Belmont, obviously, out of the OVC, man. Those two teams are playing some, some great basketball right now. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I wouldn't even say Belmont is good sneaky game. Well, I think they're just a good team. I think they're just... Good period. Not even, not even sneaky, man. I think that you know when you anytime you can, you know, you're riding the 17 mystery, man. Um, like I said, man, I, I pray that you know they, they can, you know, that they don't have any slip-ups in, in the overseas tournament, man. They can go ahead and get into the NCAA tournament, get a good seed, man, because they def- they're definitely going to be spooky, you know, in that in the NCAA tournament, man. Uh, depending on the matchups, they always are. You know, Belmont is a team that is, is known for, you know. Winning games in the NCAA tournament, man. I mean, this could be the other potential. They got a Sixteen run, depending on the matchups, how the bracket falls, man. And you know, when you look at a team like San Diego State, man. I'm you you put it perfectly. I don't think anybody has anybody beating Gonzaga or Baylor, you know. But I mean, if they can get a number one seed, like like you said, man, Ohio State, or you know, if if a like, Houston can finish is now strong and get a one seed, or like even like a Villanova. I mean, you, I mean, you never know. I mean, Villanova is probably toward that one line right now. Um, Obviously, I would I would you know, bet against Jay Wright, you know, in March, you know, knowing knowing what, 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 what that team had done in the past, you know. But, um, you know, when you have a team like San Diego State that can defend, man, I could definitely see them, you know, pulling off up upset. And like I said, man, they're a team that also has has pedigree and pride as well, man, because they're a team that has been in the NCAA tournament. obviously, you know, under a different regime, you know, but you know that that team, um, and that program, you know, is is no stranger to to march to the, into the NCAA tournament, man. So. Um, they're definitely going to be a, a fun team to watch down the stretch. Yep, and I mean, I, I'm a, obviously we, we, we normally give you guys our biggest games of the week, you know, towards the end of the show. But there's one matchup that I want to talk about now. Um, Drake and Lower Chicago are playing this weekend. This is going to be my biggest game of this weekend. I mean, I, I cannot wait to watch these two teams play. Um, it, it's it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a battle of epic proportion. I mean, Drake obviously just just suffered their, their first loss of the season. Lower Chicago was riding a ten game win streak right now um they've won 10 games in a row um obviously you know something has to give because drake is undefeated at home they're 11 and 0 you know on, on their home court and then obviously Coach kind of riding a 10 game win streak um i mean it, it's gonna be i mean obviously uh, louis chicago is a great defensive team um they're currently right now uh eighth in the country in defensive efficiency per Ken and obviously on, on the contrast you have drake who is sixth in the country in offensive efficiency uh, per per Fox Sports? So I mean, this is going to be a contrast contrast of styles. Um, but I mean, quite frankly, this these are two best teams in in the Missouri Valley. Obviously, both at one loss right now. Louis Chicago is obviously a top 25 team. Um, and Drake obviously the team that was wasn't in the top 25 was undefeated. Um, they suffered their first loss and they're looking to bounce back, man. So. I think the key to this game is, is going to be the big guys. man. I think obviously Cameron Crawford really is one of the best players in the country. Um, he's averaging 15.6 rebounds and about three assists per game on 60% shooting from the floor. We we know you know his ability to pass the ball. Obviously, with his ability to score, um, and then I think Darnell Brody, who who obviously went to PSA, um, former Stephen Hall. Um, a big uh, obviously, now at like Drake. He's averaging about 7-7 seven and seven, um, in about 20-20 minutes per game. But, I mean, he has big game potential. I mean, I, I watched him have 20-10 and 10 versus Illinois State uh, earlier this season. I also watched him have 16-15 and 15 versus Missouri State earlier on as well. I Man, I think it's going to take an effort like that going up against Crutwick, um for Louis Chicago. I think he's going to have to play well for, for Drake um, if, if they're going to expect to, to beat Louis Chicago, who's playing some of the best basketball of the season right now. Yeah, man. I mean, it's interesting how Little Chicago has three losses and they're getting top twenty-five. And Drake loses once, they just get bounced out, man. But um, so so Ace, man. I mean, who are you picking in in this series, man? I mean, if you had to pick a team to to, to you know like to win Game One, who, who who would you who would you go with? I'm gonna say Little Chicago wins Game One. Um, I I think they're just playing great basketball right now. Um, but I think Drake is gonna find a way to rebound. Uh, as I said earlier, this is a team that you know has has been battle tested all year. They, they found a way to win close games. They're an old team. I mean, um, they, I mean, the bulk of their players are, are juniors and seniors. um that, that, that played minutes for those guys, man. I mean, I think they can't get swept. Neither one of these teams can really afford to get swept. If Drake gets swept by Lower Chicago this weekend, then they potentially fall out of that at-large category. I mean, now you're at three losses, and you got swept by Louis Chicago team, who's, who's the best team in your conference. They don't really have Drake uh, doesn't really have any any wow out of conference wins. So it's like you know their out of conference resume. If you get swept by Lower Chicago, uh, it, it's, it's going to be tough. And even Lower Chicago, if they were to get swept by Drake. Um, now you're at five losses on the year. They don't really have any wild losses either. I mean, they had an opportunity versus Wisconsin and non commerce they lost that game. Had an opportunity versus Richmond, non commerce lost that game. So, I mean, for both of these teams, neither one of them can afford a sweep. Um, I think I think a split is, is probably powerful, of course. I think that, that's probably what should happen. If I had to pick, I'd probably say Louis Chicago wins the first game, Drake wins game two. I think the Missouri Valley finds a way to get both of those teams in the tournament. Yeah, man, I think for me, I'll probably have to flip that. I think I'll pick Drake to win Game One. Um, like I said, they are undefeated at home thus far this season, man. So I think that they're going to get up for this game. Um, I, I don't, I don't foresee a a, a bow situation, you know, where where they they fall behind the situation. I think I think they're going to be up for this game, um, and they're going to be ready to go. So I, I would I pick Drake in Game One. I will pick Lord Chicago in Game Two. Um, it's funny, man. The, that you mentioned Richmond, man, because I mean, shoot, that might be the the spiders, you know. They might be hanging on to that one, you know, since that win at Kentucky now is like is it so devalued at this point, you know. If Kentucky was better, then that would certainly hope the A 10 if Richmond had two, you know, top 25 wins in you know, against the Kentucky team and against the Louisville Chicago team. But but oh, I think that's good for the A 10 that Louisville, Chicago you know, is trending upward right now. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I, I think I think you know the, the Missouri Valley is, is 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 a great conference, man. That that would for Richmond is definitely looking a lot better now, you know, than than it was back then, man. But um, I mean, we're gonna see what happens, man. I can't wait to watch these two teams play, um, and, and I think it's gonna be a fun series. Obviously, Like I said, it's gonna be a contrast of styles, man. Drake's high-powered offense versus Chicago's stingy defense. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great series to watch, man. But you know, without further ado, definitely want to get you over to that interview with Brian, assistant coach Chris Cole. Obviously, you know Brian's having a great year uh, out of the NEC right now. So you know, we, we spoke to, to uh, Coach Cole about the season um, that, that his Bulldogs are having. All righty, guys, we are pleased to be joined on this episode of the auto bid with none other than Brian men's basketball assistant coach and DMV native Chris Cole. Coach, thank you for joining us.
2: No, I appreciate it, man. Like, like I said before we got on, I'm super proud of you guys and uh, I'm excited to be on to talk about uh, our program and what we got going. But more importantly, man, two, two young brothers definitely making an impact on the media, man. I'm, I'm super proud of you guys.
0: Yes a lot, coach. We definitely appreciate that, man. Um, you know, for, for the viewers out here who may not be, be familiar with you, coach, I mean, like I mentioned, you're you're a D V guy, man. So kind of tell us a little bit about just, you know, your background, um, how you got into coaching and then kind of what brought you to Bryant today.
2: Uh, well, <laughs> how I got into coaching, I always knew I would be a coach and it, it's funny because um my first college job, I mean my first college experience being a freshman, I actually played for Larry Harrison, who's at West Virginia now as the um, associate head. But his assistant coach was Jared Grosso, who is now my boss. So he got to know me as a kid and a person and how I was then. But I always knew at some point when my playing career was over, um, that I would be a coach. Now, I didn't get to go right into it. Like I had hoped, um, I had some trials and tribulations I had to deal with, um, in my playing career, I actually got sick and had to take care of, uh, some business. So I wasn't able to continue playing at the time, but, um, I ended up, uh, being out in New Mexico, trying to take care of my health. Uh, and I, I actually got out of basketball and everything. I was, uh, not financially stable, (laughs) to say the least. I I was broke, and at one point, I was even homeless. Um, So I ended up uh, working, and then Curtis Malone, who is back now and everybody knows his resume and what he did, gave me a call. And I thank him uh, to this day because... It wasn't a pro. I wasn't Mike Beasley. I wasn't Nolan. I wasn't anybody that can do anything for him at the time. And he thought about me and asked, man, hey, how you doing? Such and such, such and such. When you're ready, I got something for you. So um, I ended up, you know, taking a couple of months to think about it and ended up calling Kurt and be like, you know what? Uh, I'm ready to do something, man, with my life. Get out of this hole. Get out of this rut that I'm in. Uh, What you got? So I ended up going down there and training some of the DC Assault clients. Uh, first client was Nate Britt and Chris Jenkins who ended up both winning uh, national championships at the same time. At the time that I got them, they were uh, just starting uh, to really gain some traction and stuff. and. Nate went from George Mason to North Carolina offers and Chris, the same thing. Uh, People started noticing my work and then I ended up doing pre-draft stuff. I I did Nolan Smith's uh, pre-draft stuff. And then Norris Cole, who I ended up working with beyond even the pre-draft stuff um, at Miami. He ended up winning two championships while I was uh, working with him. Um, And then I I decided to take the next step after that and, and to get into actual coaching. And I was offered a, a position at uh, Clinton Christian at the time, but now is Rock Creek. Um, I was offered a position and uh, that didn't go smoothly as well. Actually, Curtis Malone hooked me up with the the principal at the time, um, who I'm very thankful for because he could not given me the job. Um, Like I said, I was broke, I wasn't making anything. So I was driving a little beat up car on my interview and I got stuck and I was late. So I had to jog to the interview. The second time, he gave me another uh, chance. I drove the same car, got stuck in the same spot. I had to uh, take my suit, run a mile, you know, and, and get to the interview. So he was like, man, I can't hire this dude. So what they ended up doing is making me um, – I was the PE coach because I had my degree and everything like that. Um, I was the PE guy, and then I worked myself into being um, uh, the the assistant coach and then the head coach at the time and then kind of took off from there. And when I was ready to make the college jump, uh, I had tried to make sure that all my kids were gone and off into college, and then I could take care of them. As far as the getting into college, I still got one out there. But um, I just made sure everybody was good. And then uh, Jared called, Coach Harrison called, and I made the jump. <laughs>
0: Now, for those who might not know, you know, Curtis Malone, I mean, you you spoke a lot about him, you know, in in your journey. But, I mean, he's impacted, you know, hundreds of kids' lives in the the DMV area, you know, through through DC Assault and everything that he's been able to do. I mean, talk about, you know, his
2: impact um, not only on your life, but, you know, his impact kind of on DC hoops as well. Man, uh, people people in general have no clue, you know, because people make mistakes, man. People make mistakes. Um, But... They have no clue. Like um, I played for my godfather over there at National Christian, but I always, I was always at Curtis Malone's house as a youngin. And like I said, uh, when I was real, real young, I, I was really good. But uh, I had stopped playing for a while and then got back into it. And he didn't have to let me stay at his home. He didn't have to feed me. He didn't have to do anything because, like I said, I wasn't Mike Beasley or Austin Freeman or any 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 of those guys at the time. Um, I was just a regular kid, loved basketball, wanted to be around and all that. And he he took care of me. And I've watched Mike Beasley and DeMar Johnson come through the the houses. A lot of people that people know, but those are the names that people know. I I know a ton of kids that were just like me that, you know, couldn't do anything for him. And, you know, he helped. Like I said, I was in a rut. I was in a uh, seriously lifestyle rut when he called and you know, he didn't know that I, I could still do the things that I could do, but he offered me an opportunity. And like I said, there was not much I could make for him or do for him, man. But he's just the ultimate ultimate um, giver. I would say, man, it, it it's not too much. Like people can say to me to, to make me not believe who that man was because I was around him for a certain amount of years and watched how he moved and watched how he moved through my life. And I'm not the only one. So I'm forever grateful to him and will always stay in contact with him. But, you know, people make mistakes, man. And there's not one person on this earth uh, that, that walked this earth except for Jesus Christ himself that hasn't made mistakes. So um, Curtis Malone is one, one of the uh, top notch guys. For sure. Now, you also mentioned,
0: um, you know, your your time, obviously, um, coaching with, with DC Assault and coaching guys, uh, obviously, like, you know, Nate and Chris. Talk about, like, just – because a lot of people, like, don't really know, man. There's been a plethora of guys that come through Assault, man. Like, you mentioned guys like Mike Beasley, DeMar Johnson, even guys like, you know, Quinn Cook. Quinn. Even guys more than recently, like Melo Trimble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk about just uh, that that program, man, and what it was like, you know, working, working there and kind of just building those networks and kind of how that – help prepare you for you know your, your your college job now yeah well
2: I played I actually played for DC Assault coming up um so when Kirk called me and everything it was kind of an easy transition but when I when I came along it was a uh, I I want to say Nate and Chris's uh sophomore year so they had Nate, Chris, Devon, and that's the thing we're sending the kids they would send the kids to um North Carolina and Villanova and stuff like that. But then you got, uh, Devon Blackman who was at Brown university, you know what I'm saying? So they, they were able to impact uh kid's lives from, uh, uh, a, a, a variety of demographics. So I ended up, um, I never really coached with them. Um, I coached 15s at one point, just as like a third assistant. But I really did most of the training. And I, John Davis, uh, Roddy Peters, Mellow Tremble, um, Nate Brick, Chris Jenkins—those are names you guys know. But as you know, man, there's a lot of guys that you train and you have an impact on their life that that are not the known basketball names, but they go on to do other things that impact uh, our our culture in general.
0: No, I mean, obviously, you know, the DMV is one of the hotbeds of recruiting in college basketball. I mean, you know, talk about what it's like to be able to, you know, be from there and kind of have those connects to the area, you know, from a recruiting standpoint. Just, you know, the the way that, you know, there's so many guys from the area that are, you know, playing Division One basketball from low major, mid-major to high major, all the way up to the level, you know, in the NBA that are doing great things. I mean, just, you know, talk about the luxury that we kind of have um, down here um, in the DMV.
2: Well, it's kind of in our office, as you know, it's kind of fun, man, because we got Phil Martelli, who's from Philly, who I've learned a ton from, and we'll probably get into that later. But um, he's from Philly. Then Coach Gross is from New York, and I'm from the DMV area, so we have a little bit of back and forth here and there about who's the best. So shout out to Quinn and kevin for making the documentary we on the back <laughs> just yeah. to let people know but yeah definitely man there's a ton of ton of guys man on the college level and not just talking about division one but division two division one and then entering into the pros and overseas like our area is definitely a hotbed and it starts from a young age of how we go about our business through the AAU things and then also the other Pyl Pybl stuff, and now you guys are from Montgomery County, and I'm seeing a ton of talent out there um, that wasn't recognized back when you guys were playing. But like, it's just an area, man. That that to me is unmatched. You know, Coach Gross and, and Telly will give me a hard time, with me, but I, I definitely think it's unmatched,
0: man. <laughs> Uh, we, we we definitely agree. Trust me, man. We 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 talk ton, tons on this podcast about uh, the DMV hoop scene, man. With all our guests from New York and across across the country, man. But I, I know you downplayed a little bit, man. But when you when you were back in, in your playing days, man, you played on a pretty a pretty legendary high school team, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, a national Christian. So, yeah, yeah, I actually. About that, yeah, if you talk to us about that um yeah. the team, man, and just, just tell us about some of the guys that were on that team and kind of just back, back in your playing days.
2: It's great, man, because that's where I kind of learned how to win and what it takes to win. And it's funny because I'll talk about that and I'll talk about some of the guys that made it, of course, that you know. But then there's other guys, man, on that team that are impacting basketball and stuff outside of basketball that people – don't know and we learned that from a uh, Trevor you know Trevor Brown at the time like he might have went about it different ways and impacted different individuals in different ways but we learned a ton from him so I played with Kevin Durant who everybody knows as a 10th grader that's when he really started to flourish and he came in as a ninth grader I think six feet six two ended up being in 10th grade coming in at like six seven um then Deron Washington, who was at Virginia Tech, who you can YouTube him jumping over Greg Paulus and all these dunks. Mm-hmm. And then Abdullah Jallo, who I think was either led us in scoring where second leading scorer, was at St. Joe's, and then James Madison. But he was like Russell Westbrook, before Russell Westbrook. He was really, really good. Then you had me. Then you had Jesse Sapp, who went to the Final Four as a starter um, at, with <laughs> Georgetown. Then... You had Christian Matthew who's who's lethal shooter now. So <laughs> then you had me, and then you had also Brian Inge, who now is running a lot of stuff for the DMV elites and doing a lot of stuff in our community back home in DMV to give not only kids that are playing basketball opportunities, but other kids that want to get into the business side uh, of basketball or the business side of just life. He's doing a whole bunch of stuff. So we, we had a lot of that. Then we had uh, another kid, Demetrius Landy and Neil Pitt, uh, that both went on to play college basketball, man. So all, all of us went on to play college basketball. And Bakari, uh, <laughs> Bakari was out there with Mount Verde doing some work with R.J. Barrett and all that. Like, we, have, we had a ton of guys that ended up after that team and that legendary team that went on to beat some of the top teams in the country. Um, those guys – including myself went on to impact the world not just with basketball but and other stuff. But you know, everybody's gonna remember the Kevin Durant name and yeah, he was there and yeah, he was good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No I want to pivot a little bit to, to your program now, Brian. Um, you guys are now in year three um, over there, Brian. You, you guys have had one of the most impressive turnarounds in the country from, you know, I think it was 17, 18, you win three games, and then 18, 19, it was 10 games, 19, 20, 15 games. You guys have already won 10 games this year, 10 and 5. Yeah. Started out to see 9 and 2. I mean, you know, you almost beat Syracuse earlier in the year, and you actually beat UMass, which was um, – Another you know a ten team up in the northeast. I mean, okay. talk about the transition of this pro, of this Bryant program and how you guys have been able to kind of you know go from quite frankly one of the worst teams in Division One to now being you
2: know a team that, that potentially you know make the tournament this year. Yeah. So um, Coach Grasso, um, when he took over the job the year before, they won three games. So I think they were three and twenty eight. Yeah. Uh, he came in, hired his staff, uh, took a couple of players that you know. In the recruiting class to help us change the culture of what was really going on at the time. Um, So our first year, we ended up tripling our win total. I believe we won 10 games or something like that. Um, Then we added a couple of more pieces, um, and we ended up winning even more games that year. And then now we're here in year three where we got the majority of um, guys that we recruited and – you know, the coaching staff that that we would like. Uh, And we're we're here where we want to be culture-wise. So um, I I give a ton of credit to Coach Gross, man, because uh, sometimes it's just about the players that you bring in. But he right away, you know, instilled into this is how this program is going to be run. We're going to care about people, you know, first and foremost, and that translates on and off the court. So if you guys watch us play – We're a team that really likes to play fast, but we like to share the ball, and that goes into off the court caring about people. Um, uh, The second thing we're going to do is work. (laughs) We're going to work. Our work ethic is go from here to there, and that's not even just the players. That that's as a coaching staff, and it's what's expected. You know, you're expected. If he asks you to do something, he shouldn't have to. You know, keep asking you for it. You should get your job done. And if you really want to be good in this as a coach, or if you really want to be good in this as a player, you're going to take that to the next level and do what you need to do extra off the, off the office, off the court. So a ton of credit to him, man. He's a young coach that's very energetic, man. People love playing for him. And um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here uh, and be able to impact co- uh, kids' lives as well um, when he when he uh, put me on.
0: For sure, man. <clears throat> now I just saw a uh, graphic that you guys posted on your social media page, man. You you touched on it just now, kind of about how you guys want to play fast and get a lot of shots. You guys are third in the country in, um, I believe, offensive uh, efficiency. I believe. Yep. Yeah. Talk about what goes into that, man, um, and, and how you guys are able to be you know so effective on that end of the floor.
2: Yeah, well, I, I, everybody knows um, Coach Grosso is one of the best, uh, and, and I'm serious, one of the best offensive minds in, in this business. Um, so we're not just trying to play fast. Like, you know, a lot of people can do that, but we we're trying to, like you said, trying to be efficient with it. So we definitely want to get up and down, but we want to share the ball and be able to create mismatches, whether it's mismatch and transitions from a matchup standpoint or mismatches where we get people in closeouts where they're not really used to playing. So... Um, we want we want to definitely play fast and share the ball, but our main thing is to get the best shot possible and a lot of times that is not um that may not be the first look but the second look and the third look and if we 're playing fast a lot of people's third look is with five seconds left our third look might be <laughs> with 22 seconds left the way we're, you know, moving and, and trying to figure out. And it's not for everybody, and we understand that, but we feel like we've gotten the players who are able to play fast and think the game at the same time where we're playing fast and no, not another opportunity may come. Okay, now this is the mismatch that we want.
0: Mm-hmm. You guys are also third in the country in offensive tempo. Um, you guys are averaging about 76 possessions per, per 40 minutes. I mean, what allows you guys to play so fast? Is it something that you guys do in practice? Like, you know, what do you guys practice like to, to kind of mimic, you know, the, 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 the pace that you guys play at uh, in the games?
2: Well, um, the, way we pra- the way we play is the way we practice. Like, if you were to come into our practice, it is up and down, up and down, up and down. Everything we want to do is kind of play in the full court because the game is played in the full court, you know. A a lot of teams break down stuff, and we do at times, but the game is played in the full court. um, You don't play half-court basketball. So, Coach Grosso has a mentality with that, and uh, Coach Martelli and them are definitely – Preaching every time we get it, whether it's a turnover or a made basket, we are definitely up and down. And we do different breakdown drills where it teaches you the mindset and how to share the ball. And uh, I know if I were to get into it, we'd be on here for three hours. Like I said, Gross is one of the best uh, offensive minds, so he has a ton of stuff to be able to get people to play at that pace and at that mindset. But yeah, like you touched on, definitely the way we play is the way we practice. So, well, it's a direct correlation to what we preach and practice.
0: Now, um, you guys have been also, you know, one of the best schools, you know, definitely at the MIMAGE at level, but really in the country at uh, recruiting and bringing in transfers. You guys always hit the transfer portal, you know, hard, whether it's from a JUCO level or bringing in grad transfers or things like that. And right now you guys' you guys leading score is um, a guy, you know, by the name of Pete Kiss, who me and Ace had the pleasure of playing with at Quinnipiac uh, for a season his freshman year. Um, you know, talk about what Pete has been able to do this year. Obviously, he's having a career year, with you guys you know – points, rebounds, assists. Um, but it's, just talk about, you know, how you guys were kind of able to, you know, allow him to kind of flourish and come into
2: his own, you know, at, at Bryant this year. Yeah, Pete, Pete's one of my favorite guys, man. Um, and, and, you know, as well, I'm so proud of his growth, not even on the basketball court, but outside of the basketball court. Um, but it, like you touched on, he's having career numbers. Um, he's having the best numbers of his career, the best season of his career. Uh, and, you know, it... it Gra- Coach, like you said, with recruiting, Coach Gross doesn't really take everybody. Like everybody, just thinks because we send out offers, where he knows who he's looking at. You know what I mean? And he knows who he can help flourish in that system. And we think this was a perfect system for Peter Kiss to be able to do uh, what he's doing. And as you see, it's a direct correlation to his numbers. But not only Peter Kiss, man, in recruiting, uh, he does a great job in New York. Like um, Peter Kiss is from New York. Uh, Chris uh, Childs is from New York. Mike Green, who was named to the Lou Henson um awards list. I guess the top 40 mid-major players is from New York. Charles Pride, um from New York. Like, he's doing a terrific job in that. And that, you know, that's Coach Cross's area. Um, shoot, uh, people talk about Peter Kiss as a transfer, but we don't talk about Chris Childs, who's coming off the bench averaging 14, 15 points, who I think personally, and I know I may be biased, but I think is the best shooter in the country. You know, he's a transfer. Um, but – yeah, Coach has uh, his unique recruiting ways, but it, it has seemed to work from the transfers to uh, high school kids that he, you know, that he he targeted. Like, he targeted Mike Green, and he didn't have any scholarship offers, but he knew Mike Green would be great in our system, and now Mike Green's in his second year uh, on the Lou Henson Award list. You know, Charles Pride was recruited by A-10, and we still went after him, even if he did had one scholarship offer or not and he's having career numbers so um like I said man coach uh does a great job and you know we do our diligence of what he tells us and what he's talking about as far as recruiting but he knows what he's looking for and what he's willing to accept and it's worked so far guys are having career years and uh, we're off to one of our best starts Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, speaking of Pete, I wanted to talk about something that that, um, that I heard him say on social media a little while back. Um, he, he he said, um, what his quote was, uh, everybody on this team probably shouldn't be at Bryant. He wanted to say that, you know, everyone is ultra-talented, you know, from the guys that are playing, even down to the walk-ons. I mean, talk talk about the luxury. I mean, you guys have a guy like Peter Kiss, who was playing in the Big Ten at Rutgers. Right. I mean, you know, obviously a team, you know, playing in the NEC, which is, you know, obviously um, not, not obviously, you know, one of the better like leagues in the country, but you guys have this talent from a, l- a lot, of you know, high-level conferences or, or players that could have played. You know, like you said, Charles Clyde, that right. had a 10 school recruiting. I mean, talk about how that's got, how going to help you guys. You know, p-
2: playing in the NEC. Yeah, well, so uh, Peter Kiss was at Rutgers. Mello uh, Eggleston was at from our D, from the DMV area was at Wake Forest at one point, um, and then Arkansas State. Um, Charles Pry was being recruited uh, higher than our level, and then Luis Hurtada, who's doing a great job for us this year, was at UAB. I think, and and like I say, man, coach 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 is one of the the young up-and-coming coaches in this business, man. He's energetic, he's passionate, he's real, and he's young. And he has the energy to be able to do a lot of things that maybe some other coaches are not able to do um, or willing to do. I I don't know. I I feel like I work for one of the best coaches in the area. I might might be biased. But – I think the way how passionate he is in our style of play, because as you see right now, our style of play allows you to get many possessions, which allows you to put up more numbers. And let's be serious. Everybody uh, wants to play. Everybody wants to play more. Everybody wants to put up more numbers. So if we're putting up more possessions, allowing you to put more numbers, then you're getting what you want out of your basketball career. So I think people are looking at our style of play and our head coach as to saying, man, I would love to play for this guy. Uh, It looks like it on the outside. And then when they get here, then they really do love to play for this guy. And then once they get into the style of play and I, I have to be honest, it's a little resistance of people playing this fast at some point. But once you start to really, like, we had a group that really bought into it this year. And once they bought into it, your numbers start to flourish. I think everybody on our team is having career numbers uh, um, So or, or having a career impact. You know, and, you know, everybody has different roles. So everybody's having career numbers or a career impact. And it's because of our style of play and the head honcho in charge. Yeah.
0: Now, um, obviously, you know, you guys are definitely one of the teams that are at, at the top of the NEC this year. What do you think what do you think it's gonna take for you guys to um you know get Bryant to the school's first ever uh NCAA tournament appearance?
2: Well, it's gonna take work. Um, work, you know. Um we we do a good job of trying to, you know, not have our guys be too high, not have our guys be too low. Um there's a ton of like like you you know in the NEC, there's a ton of um teams in the conference that are competitive. If you look at the standings right now, it's right. It's Everybody's right there. Um, there's a ton of good players. There's a ton of good coaches. Uh, I think it's one of the most competitive leagues, uh, in our, in the NCAA. Um, but it's going to take work. And I'm not just talking about from the players, man. We have a great, great staff. Uh, coach Martelli is one of the most meticulous guys when it comes to, um, the details of the game, uh, our scouting and, you know, video and all that. He does a terrific job uh, of being our associate head and kind of leading uh, the rest of the group outside of what coach Gross gives us direction for so i i i'm actually honored to be able to work with these guys because i get to learn a little bit more from both of those guys but then we have a, we have some young guys on the staff man that are terrific we have a volunteer uh and stephen galgano that man you ask them to do something that it- it's right on. He's one of the most organized guys. He, he's going to get it done, and he really cares about what he's doing. You know, you can you can be good in anything that you want to do if you genuinely care. It's hard to hard to be good at something if you're just going there for work. So he's a volunteer, and he's helping out a, a ton. And then um, our ops guy, who is one of the best in the business, who is definitely a rising star in this business, uh, Luke St. Leifer, um, he helps out a, a ton. Uh, with what we're doing he doesn't just do the dobo stuff but he's on helping us with our scout and our tendencies on guys and if they're driving left or if they pull up here or what they do he helps us out a ton here and then Eamon Marr who's Uh, one of our assistants, who's one of the youngest assistants in the country. And that's just a tribute to him and how much he cares. Like, he cares about the game and he's always in there rebounding for our guys and helping our guys off the court, whether it's with their academics or their life outside. And that's more important than even stuff on the court, man. If If you can help take care of the guys off the court and they can trust the staff then you get what you're seeing out of our program right now. And Amon Marr is actually one of the uh, leading key contributors to what we do off the court with our guys. So uh, I'm honored to be on this staff. And I think, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take those guys doing the same thing that they're doing, and me to pitch in and do what I do. But to be able to help our student athletes understand the urgency right now, and you guys know because you guys play college basketball, yeah, it's a it's an urgency right now. Like guys that are ready to to make a run in the tournament and stuff like that, they feel it. They know they know it's time to bring the team together even more. They know everything in practice has to be an urgency, and I think we got that there. You guys know Peter Kiss is one of the most competitive guys (laughs) uh, we know. So he's bringing that energy in practice. Chris Childs is bringing that energy in practice. Charles Pride is a dog. He's bringing that energy in practice. And those guys kind of have our team going, and they're leading the charge of, hey, uh, it's a little bit of urgency going into this. So let's get going.
0: Yep. Now, you mentioned a little bit in your answer. I mean, the NEC is a team that is extremely tightly contested right now. I mean, yeah. you got in a three-way tie for first place right now at six and four. You got, yep. like, St. Francis Brooklyn, who's currently in eighth place. Yeah. They're only a game and a half back. You know so <laughs> yep. I mean? Talk about the importance of each game when, you know, a year where, you know, the top four teams in NEC are going to the tournament. And, you know, it's not eight, you know, uh, right. like a years. I mean, talk about the importance of each game for you guys when the conference is as tightly contested as it is.
2: Yeah, it's a win now you got to win, you know, it's an urgency to this. And it's always like that in an NEC, man. NEC is always around this time of year or um, around this time of that season. It's already, it's one, two games back, man. So there's got to be a sense of urgency that, that, that we know that you got to win, man. Anything it takes to win on and off the court uh, before games, after games, practices, everything, man. Uh, like I said, it's a ton of great teams, a ton of great coach teams, a ton of great players that are making plays. Um, so it's time to kind of step up our, our urgency and uh, we got to win games. Got to win games.
0: Yep. yep. Now, um, of course, man, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this, man. You know, we definitely got to put you on the spot here, you know, on, on, on this podcast. You know, we always ask our guests, you know, to, to, to name a top five, man. So for you, I want you to give me, the top five guys in DMV uh from your era. You would need the top <coughs> five guys in, in, in the DMV from your era of hoops. Um give me give me your top five. So my era,
2: because if it wasn't my era, it'd be a little different. My era, definitely we gotta put Kevin up there, right? Kevin is up there and Mike's up there. That's two. That takes two right off the break. So who wanted two? Uh Kevin. Kevin. All right, all right, yeah. all right. <laughs> now now. Now, it gets it gets tricky because they left and they came back and all that. People want to rank them every year, but Kevin, Kevin to me was uh, more. I would, man, I can't say that. I don't know Kevin. I just would have to put Kevin back by with a small margin. So I'll give Kevin, Mike, and now you're getting into the freaking Jesse Saps, freaking Nolan Smiths. Chris uh, Chris Wright, like Austin Freeman, so uh, it's tough for me. I got to put Chris in there, right? Chris had had an unbelievable career at St. John's, and I know I'm going to miss people, and people are going to hit my phone and this, that, and the third. Quinn was a little bit younger than me, right? So I'm off the the track with Quinn and Vic and all of them. They were a little bit younger than me. So I'll give – I'll say – Kevin Mike. whoo, Man, you got the Bobby Shannons out there. The Dante Cunninghams. Ray Brewer was on my freaking uh, AAU team. Uh that's
0: a tough part, man. That's a tough part. We gotta, we gotta get a top five. We gotta get a top five.
2: I'll tell you what though. This this is what I gotta say. My team, my my under DC Assault team won. Was it Vegas or Cali? We ended up beating uh a ton of great teams. Um it was me, Ray Brewer on that team, a uh, uh, not a I'm sorry. Uh the Syracuse went to Syracuse. Um not Renzi on the Waco. Yeah Renzi not on a Waco. I'm sorry. Uh Dante Cunningham was on that team. And when we scrimmaged, the sixteen and under team, Mike Beasley, uh Nolan and Chris Wright and all of them that uh Chris ended up to go in the boo, but all those guys they gave us hell, so I'm gonna go Kevin, Mike. I'm gonna go Chris Nolan. Uh, then I, I, I get, man, people don't know how good this dude was. I gotta give him Jesse Sapp, man. Jesse mm-hmm. Sapp was unreal. Seriously, Je- people have no idea. Jesse Sapp was the deal, man. <laughs> I used to watch him as a kid when he was at Georgetown in that
0: Final Four team. Yeah. Definitely a problem. I never got to see him in high school, though, but in college. Oh, was- man.
2: Oh man, especially his senior year, and at Georgetown, he kind of played a different role. And you know, sometimes you go to college, you play a different role for the betterment of the team. But I got, I got to give him. Je- Jesse was a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, Coach, I, I do
0: want to make sure I ask you um, about Brian. I mean, you know, at one point, you, you, you guys were nine and two. Um, during the last few weeks, I got hit a little bit of a rough patch and lost three of your last four games, and now you guys are on pause. I mean, um, what do you think? Kind of changed – if, if anything, you know, the, the, these last four games and then coming out of pause, what do you think you guys are, are, are going to be trying to, you know, sharpen up? Because obviously, you know, the, the next part of the schedule, you guys are going to see Mary Matt, you're going to see a lot of you. guys some t- 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 tough games coming coming off of this break. I mean, what are you guys, you know, going try to try, try to you know, sharpen up um, to try to get off of this little um, three-game slide that you guys are on right now?
2: Well, Coach said it um, um, the best. There's kind of an ebb and flow to this thing to the season and it happens with every team and um, every year Um, we, we definitely got off to a a great start. And then there's, sometimes it's not a lot of, you got to change. Sometimes there's other factors and, you know, we had some, and, and not to blame anything or anything, but we had some bodies that we needed to get healthy. So, a knock on wood, this is not how we wanted to get everybody healthy uh, and stuff like this. But it is a good break to be able to get our bodies uh, in order and b- bodies fresh for this um, kind of the re- the rest of the road. So uh, we definitely have to sharpen up a lot of stuff. Um, um, but it's not nothing that we directly just have to change and completely go in a different direction. Uh, I think us being healthy will help us a lot. Um but like you said, it, it's go time. So there's no excuses, healthy or not, no excuses. But it is nice to have a little bit of a break to be able to go into this home stretch where you know it's going to be win now.
0: Yep, yep. I, I want to make sure to ask you, I mean, you you guys have had five games postponed, and I think there's about a week in between your last game against LIU and the start of the the tournament. Um, if, if you guys qualify, I mean, is there a plan to make up any of those games, or are you guys gonna just try to kind of finish these last three games? I think you guys have already played the, the 13 games to be yeah. eligible. Um, to your knowledge, is there any plan to make up any of
2: those games, or you guys just kind of kind of finish the season out? And then, yeah. yeah, to my knowledge, we're working on all of that. Everything's kind of a. Uh, fluid situation um we're definitely going to play some of our remaining games um but uh to make up i I don't know how the nec is going to do it or if they're going to want us to do it but that's kind of a coach Gross uh uh question right there he's getting his information directly from our ad bill smith and, and the commissioner of the nec but we'll be ready uh when it's time to throw that ball up for sure
0: yep now, last thing I want to ask you—I know we're, we're running a little on time here—but um, Coach 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 Grosso has said on January 28th that um, Pete Kiss and um, Hall Hall uh, were going to come back and use the extra year of eligibility. Um, what kind of went to that decision? Kind of like you know that—that's kind of the first thing I've heard of guys really using that like potential yeah. sixth year of of eligibility yeah.
2: for next season. Well. Like I said, man, if you're in our program, you love to play the style we're playing, but you love to play for uh, Coach Jared Grasso, man. Like, um, when when you're around him, you know you're not going to like everything he says all the time, but he's going to give you the real, but then he's also going to put his arm around you and encourage you when you need to be encouraged. And when you're doing the right things, he's also going to motivate you to keep doing that thing. So, uh, like I said, he's one of the young coaches, up-and-coming coaches in this business, and he's. You know kids love playing for them so why not come for next an uh, extra year uh get more education uh work towards your masters and always and, and play basketball, which that's what everybody loves to do, but play for a guy that you want gonna play for Thank you. um. I mean, I, I definitely,
0: first of all, want to say, you know, I, I love that list. Judge Stapp is a guy that definitely doesn't get enough credit coming from the nah, buddy. He, he really does, doesn't come up in conversation. You you hear the Nolan, Mike BZ,
2: Kevin. But people, Ricardo, but people know. Yeah. Him and Abdullah, people know. <laughs> Abdullah Jala was one, too. Him and Abdullah. And I I, I have to flip a coin, but people know. <laughs>
0: That's, that's awesome man. i mean hey man D- D- dmv in my opinion basketball capital of the world man um for, for anybody watching this man dmv stand up baby we want to thank you for coming on with us today, man. It, it was a ton of fun man and we wish you guys the best
2: you know going forward at, at bryant thank you man you guys continue to do what you guys and in the background man you know i'm always a supporter anything you guys need man i'm super proud of what you guys are doing
0: no, I appreciate that, Coach Man. You guys, you guys keep killing it, man. You guys keep on doing your thing, man. We will definitely be fans of you guys as well. Sounds it. We sounds good, man. We're on the job. Yes, sir, Coach. All righty, guys, we are back. That was Coach Chris Cole, the assistant coach at Bryant. We wanted to definitely thank him, you know, a lot for coming on with us, man. Um, Obviously, like you said, Brian is having a great year uh, out of the NEC, man. He's definitely a, also a DMV guy. So it's always great, it's always great to talk some DMV, DMV hoops, you know, to get his top five, you know, from, from his era, man. I mean, people really sleep on a lot of those guys. I mean, Jesse Sapp was a, was a bucket. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and obviously that National Christian team, you know, with, with KD and all those guys, man. I mean, like, like we say all the time, man, DMV is the hoop capital of the world. And, you know, I don't think it's even up for debate at, at this point not for real man I mean we it's crazy man that that national Christian team was crazy I mean you know shout out to, to, to coach Cole man I mean you out there bumping with KD you try to sweep that under the rug I mean that's that's a hell of an experience man obviously you know Jesse Sapp you know and a lethal shooter who's you know one of the best shooting coaches in the NBA right now he's working you know work with a couple of NBA guys you know right now Um, I mean that, Washington, that's from Virginia Tech hey, hey, we saw him we saw, hey (laughs) hey, he's super athletic put him on your neck I mean (laughs) that team was crazy, man I I think it just speaks to the strength of the DMV, man when you can put together a team like that um, and I mean it's just like an afterthought, you know what I'm saying, but um Definitely grateful to have Coach Coach Cole on here, man. I think, you know, I'm um, definitely looking forward to seeing, you know, how, how Bryant can uh, finish the season up, man. It's definitely going to be a race to the finish in the NEC. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you know, without further ado, we're going to get to our, our favorite segment uh, of the week, the craziest thing we saw. And I want to start this one off because, you know, you know, you know, you know, Drew, I love Bad Beats. I mean, Bad Beats is the funniest segment in the world. Um, but this week, the crazy thing we saw actually came from my favorite conference in the SOCOM. I mean, this was absolutely unbelievable. So the total for this game was 157, right? So Mercer was up to um, – in the end of regulation. The score was 59 to 59. So your total was 118. So if you if, if you had the under, you are like, we're great. Two-point game, I'm at 118. I am I'm, – I'm fine and dandy right now, man. And – Jacob Tyron from Mercer hits a shot at the buzzer, sending the game into overtime. Game goes, game goes into overtime. Obviously, you know, the, the two teams played off. I think – I forget what the score was at the end of the second overtime. I think the total was around, like, 130-something or 140-something. Again, um, matter of fact, let me see. I, I, let me see if I can find this. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go and find the score at the end of this of – this, um, the end of this double overtime because it was something it was it was something absolutely unbelievable um at the end of this at the end of this of this so all right here we go <laughs> double overtime okay so at the end of the first overtime oh it only had the double overtime scores all right anywho this game ends in a 77 to 70 mercer victory which blows it was it was a i think it was a what 140 150 your over was gone. It was unbelievable. It I mean, at the end of regulation, it was the total was one eighteen. Um, yeah, you're just sitting pretty, um, and it went at one fifty seven over under, and it absolutely gets blown out of the water um, in, in double overtime, man. So, I mean, for all my gambling folks out there, man, I mean, the, the, the Vegas is the mafia. I mean, they they there's no way. It always baffles me how they find ways to to, to weasel out. You know, in the end, but you know. Without further ado, man. I mean, I I, I think that, that that was that was that was funny to see, man. That, that 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 bad beat out of out of the SoCon, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's one little situation where it's like, yo, know, it's like somebody just somebody I don't know, like stop the game. You know? it's <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean. It's 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 often crazy to see man how these games play out. I mean, them dudes must have be been getting buckets in in, in overtime. <laughs> man, look man, it, it, it was it, it was crazy to see man. I felt bad for the people who took the under on, on that bet man, but hey, you know, if you had the over, you probably were sitting you 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 probably you know, had a few drinks, you probably were sitting real pretty that night. So, I mean, it, it all depends on what side of the coin you fall on man, but that was that was funny to me to to see that um, to see that uh that segment on bad beats, <laughs> not for sure, man, for sure, man. Um, shoot, man, without further ado, man, it's time to get you guys to some games of the week, some games to look forward to, man. Um, I'm gonna start off with the A10. You know, this Friday we're gonna have St. Bynes at VCU, man. This is gonna be a matchup with the two top teams in the A10 right now, first place and second place teams. You know, we're gonna have a Absolutely amazing. point guard matchup with Kyle Lofton, you know, and, and Bones Holland. You know, Kyle is currently averaging about 16 a game. Bones Holland's averaging 19 a game, man. So definitely intrigued to see you know see see that matchup. Um I think, you know, that that's going to be a, a, a game that could potentially have implications down the line um, when we're talking about, your know, teams that are fighting for those at-large bids and fighting for seating. man. Um, we're also going to have the, the VCU and Richmond game that was never played. That's going to be uh, coming to you guys on Wednesday. You know, battle school schools about 15 minutes apart. You know, at, at, at the time, you know, Richmond was still sitting in first place. The VCU was in second. Um, you know, now Richmond is obviously, you know, falling a little bit. But nevertheless, you know, definitely going to be a big-time game in the A-10. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, we talked a lot about Belmont earlier. Um, Belmont and Eastern Kentucky are gonna play tonight at 9 p.m. Um, on EFPNU. So anybody, you know, looking for some great mid-major basketball, if you, know, you wanna watch that Belmont team, we just talked about uh, tuning tonight at 9 p.m. They're gonna play EKU, currently 15-4. You know, third place, uh, third place, obviously, in the um, OVC. One, they're one of the better teams, teams in that league, so uh, it's, it's gonna be a great game to watch um, out of the OVC. Also. Winthrop and Radford are playing tonight. They're going to play a two-game series Thursday and Friday. Winthrop is going to travel to Radford. Um, Obviously, those are the best two teams in the Big South. Winthrop obviously just lost their first game of the season. They they were previously undefeated until they lost to UNC Asheville. Um, Radford is – I think Radford is 12-2 in the Big South. Winthrop is 13-1 in the Big South. Winthrop is going to travel to Radford. Um, Radford is 7-0 at home. Winthrop is 6-0 on the road. So something, again, has got to give – in this series, it's going to be a huge, huge, um, a series out of the Big South. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, I mean, this this, this match is essentially for the regular season championship. If Winthrop sweeps Radford, you know, they they, they they pretty much can wrap up the regular season championship. On the flip side, if Big if, if uh, Radford sweeps Winthrop, then the same goes well bowl for them. And then obviously, if they, if they played with split. The Mavericks going to have to hope that Winthrop loses. You know, one of these games. Um, you know. Uh, after after uh, you know after this weekend series, so uh, a series with huge implications uh, in the Big South this weekend. Yeah, man. I mean, I think you know conversely, you know that that same token can 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 be said in the, in the Miac, man. Um, obviously, we're going to have Morgan and Norfolk facing off this weekend, man, and um, Norfolk honestly needs a, a sweep. You know, Norfolk is going to have to sweep Morgan uh, to 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 stay alive. Um, in the MIAC. I mean, if that happens, if if Norfolk can't sweep Morgan, they're going to be three teams at the top of that MIAC North with four losses. You know, so at that point, it's going to be, you know, a race to the finish, you know, because if, I mean, honestly, if Morgan even gets a split, if Morgan even can, can, can get one game over uh, Norfolk, then they're pretty much going to wrap up uh, the regular season championship. I mean, they have three games after, no uh, after, um, after the Morgan series, excuse me, after the Norfolk series, Morgan's going to have three three games against Delaware State. You know, uh, all three games are games that, that they pretty much should win, um, barring anything unforeseen. So, um, I mean, this this game, this series between Morgan and Norfolk is pretty much going to decide uh, who's going to win the regular season um, in the Miag North. You know, so it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting series to see what happens over there. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, um, the, MEAC, the MEAC, you know, I, I know I got, I got a little red Cobb, but I'm praying for a Norfolk sweep. So, you know, I mean, we're going to see what happens. I mean, is it, the game, game at Norfolk or is it at Morgan? Do you know? It's at Morgan. At Morgan? Ooh. Yeah, it's at Morgan. So it's going to be tough. Tough sledding, man. I mean, hey, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. I've seen, you know, Cobb got swept on their home court by by Morgan. So, you know, we'll see if Norfolk can do the same thing to Morgan next week. But time for my my, my favorite conference uh, in the country, the SOCON. Uh, UNCG is going to go to Mercer Saturday. At two p.m., uh, Mercer is currently uh, seven and two at home. They've won their last two, um, so I mean they're they're a sneaky good team in the SoCon. Um, and UNCG is going to travel to Mercer this weekend. That is a game. I think UNCG right now is in first place in the SoCon, but that is a game that I think you can circle. Upset alert! Uh, I think Mercer can definitely win that game. Um, at you know. At, at home, they're playing, they're playing really well right now. They, they've won two in a row. Um So, definitely watch that game. Um Wofford, you're going to go to ETSU Saturday at 4 p.m. ETSU has, has lost two straight, um and Wofford has lost two of three. So, these these are two teams that right now are trying to get back, you know, on on the winning track. Um Two of the best teams in the SoCal. Both of these teams currently have four losses um, at, 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 at in-conference play, so a lot of implications obviously are going to be riding on that game as well. Um, then ETSU also is going to travel to Chattanooga on Monday at 7 p.m., so ETSU has a huge week. Um, like I said, they, they, they've lost two straight, and they're playing, you know, they're, they're hosting each, They're hosting Wofford, and then they're going to Chattanooga, who, you know, Chattanooga has won two in a row um, themselves, so they're playing some great basketball right now as well, so those are going to be three huge games in the SoCon uh, over the next few days definitely to, to keep an eye out for now for sure, man. Now we pivot to the MAC. You know we're gonna have Manhattan Iona. You know probably you know the the you know un, being being unbiased here. You know probably the, the best rivalry in the MAC. I would say um, tons of history, man. Patino, Massiello, Iona's coming off a a pause, man. This is gonna be the first game since December twenty third. Okay, so I mean this, this this game is gonna be played tomorrow. Uh, which is gonna be February twelfth. And this is the first game since December 23rd, man. So um, it's going to be interesting to see um, how Iona is going to respond, man. After being off for so long. Um, They're in desperate, desperate, desperate need of some wins. Manhattan obviously just got swept, um, you know, by Mammoth. So, I mean, this is going to be a game where, I mean, it's hard for me to pick Iona. I think Iona is the better team. But when you haven't played a game uh, in so long, I mean, I don't know if I can pick them to at least win the first one. Um, you know, despite the fact, you know, that that this game is going to be played at Iona. It's going to you know, I mean, Iona. it's gonna be on the road. Um, I find out something about Coach Masiello, man. Those, those guys are going to be prepared to play this game. So I think I would probably pick Manhattan in game one, uh, Iona in game two if I had to choose, man. But definitely it's a big time action this time in the MAC, man. Um, Manhattan's going to have to probably try to split. Um, they definitely can't afford to, to, to get swept um, to a team that's coming off a – six seven week pause at, at this point. Oh. Yeah, sorry. I think I don't think they played, I think it's forty-one days, I want to say, between between games, between last, last time they played in, in in this in this game, with with obviously with uh, Manhattan. So you're right, Manhattan has the final way to win that first game. You can't that team hasn't played basketball in 41 days um coming you on your home court. I mean obviously interesting because Steve yellow coach under Rich under uh Pitino at Louisville, you know, they had obviously played that that press they want to get up menu. He, he got that from Coach Patino, coaching under him at Louisville. So it's a it's a it's a classic, you know, teacher versus the pupil matchup uh, in the Mac. So it's gonna be great, great to see, to see. And um, I mean for me, I talked about it earlier. It's Illinois, it Chicago, it's Drake. Um, they're gonna play this this Saturday and Sunday. Um from, from Drake over there in Des Moines, Iowa, man. I cannot wait to watch that game out of the Missouri Valley, man. So um, th- th- those are those are my games to watch uh, this week. Now for sure, man. We're also going to have some CA action, man. We're going to have Hofstra and JMU, and uh, you know, two matchable teams, you know, in second place and third place. Um, so this is going to have huge, huge, huge implications um, when, when we're talking about CAA uh, standings, man. You got Matt Lewis averaging 20 points per game at JMU. Obviously, we playing against him last year, man. Uh, that guy can really shoot the ball from three. Um, he's having another stellar year, averaging over 20 a game. Uh, Jalen Ray, obviously at Hofstra, you know, averaging 18 a game right now, man. So it's going to be a, a dynamic guard matchup over there, man. Um, we're also going to, you know, go to the America East. You know, where we're going to have Stony Brook and Vermont. Um, you know, Stony Brook needs to split to, to, to stay alive in, in the American East right now, man. Right now, they're, they're six and six. They're gonna travel to Vermont. You know, we, me, and you both know how tough it is to so win up there at Vermont, man. So, um, that's gonna be, um, you know, my games of the week. Um, so, man, obviously. Like you guys know, man, I'm going give you guys tons and tons of games to look forward to, man. Definitely make sure you guys um, have your TVs, you know, turn to, to, to ESPN this week, man. We're going to have some big-time games um, out of the A-10, out of the Missouri Valley, man. And, you know, stay tuned to your, uh, to your mid-major games this week, man, because it's going to be, you know, a ton of games that are going to have some big-time implications uh, for the NCAA tournament man, as we get closer and closer and closer, you know, to March yeah for sure man i mean i can't wait you know obviously me and you are going to get over to towson uh, at one o'clock saturday and sunday uh they're going to play northeastern but you know as soon as that as soon as that game is over i'm going i'm going right back to my to my couch turning the football on and i'm watching college basketball the rest of the day man so i can't wait to watch all these games man it's been a great great episode man as always man, make sure you guys are liking sharing subscribing follow us on twitter we're at all facts media uh, on twitter on instagram and youtube uh, as well uh, make sure you guys are, you know, giving us a rating. Tell a friend and tell a friend, man. Share that good gospel about the auto bid, man. We love, obviously, you know, bringing you this type of content, man. I think, you know, um, we are the, we are, you know, the best mid major podcast out here. You know, you're not going to get this type of coverage from a mid major uh podcast anywhere else. So, you know, definitely make sure you guys are, you know, giving us a like, giving us a rating, sharing, um, and engaging with our content. Man, we do appreciate every listen, you know, every retweet, every share on your on you guys' pages. Man, it goes a long way. So, thanks a lot, man. That's going to do it for another episode of the auto Bid. We're going to let my guy. Pull up t- What's Take us out with some tools. Until next week. Take your best Oops. shot,
1: I'm gonna take the last shot. I'm drawing the clutch, boy. You're beating on me. Tell. It's time to get a check, boy. Check, boy. You want a sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You're beating on me. What's the topic of discussion? What we talk talking about? Take your best shot, I'm gonna take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy.